Hey guys, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCal Val, and you are listening to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show. Hello, 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 hashtag dear listeners. Welcome back to The Whole Reppin' Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. And I'm going to welcome you back. And who am I? I am Darren Beasley, of course. And I am Perry Smith, of course. And we are so excited to have all of you back here on the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin' Show, because it's been... It's been a couple of weeks, and uh, yeah. we're we're really glad to be back. Uh, we took off Independence Day week. <laughs> we took off Independence Week because uh, we are independent, and uh, you know, we, we we figured Independence Day was a good time to not discuss independent wrestling for once. Ironically if enough, you, if you can believe if that, you can believe that. No, no, we, we took a little time off for the the holiday, the the wacky. That was 4th of July in the middle of the week instead of the beginning of the week, which is kind of odd. It, it made for a lot of weird store hours and restaurant hours. And when are we going to put off fireworks? And we're going to do them every day. <laughs> we do them like Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. Sure, like, sure. No, it was, it was a little odd. But uh, I don't need no holiday to dictate when I can stuff a bunch of cheeseburgers down my gullet. That's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna happen on on the third of July, the fourteenth of July, uh, any day whatsoever. Uh, so yeah, I had a good Fourth of July. I hope you did as well, Darren. I hope our hashtag dear listeners also did. Uh, special shout out to those who reached out to me during these very troubling times. We had a few earthquakes over here in Los Angeles. Uh, nothing to worry about. Nothing fell over. Literally, nothing fell over. Uh, it wasn't like the great earthquake of 2008 where I lost uh, a bowl and a couple of shot glasses that fell off the uh, refrigerator. Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it is weird, though. I, I, I've told the story a couple times. I think I put it up on Facebook. But, yeah, I was, I was sleeping when that first one hit, and uh, I was having a very vivid dream. And as I was coming out of it uh, is when the earthquake hit. And it felt and sounded like someone jumping on my bed. And it was very eerie and, and odd because I was thinking, like, did I? I went to bed alone last night, right? As I'm slowly coming out of the dream. <laughs> like, uh, would there be anyone in my room right now? Uh, but then I woke up and realized what was happening. And, uh, yeah, we had that one. Another one, which kind of just happened, wasn't a big deal. Third one was the, the, the bigger of the three and lasted longer. And typically, like, you know, when the earthquake happens here, you kind of think like okay is it still going is it still going okay do i get into a door a door jam like a doorway because that's what you do in an earthquake um so right when i was like well i guess i better head over to the it was over so so yeah i'm fine we're all fine everything's fine thank you folks for your concern i hope you're fine uh darren you got some hot weather in georgia well yeah i mean uh but we're used to that. Oh, I guess I guess Californians are used to earthquakes. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know. it, well, you you have the unique uh, experience of basically having spent half your life in the southeast and half your life on the Pacific coast, so you're familiar with all of it. Sure. But um, 
you know, I spent very little time living in Los Angeles, and I never experienced an earthquake during that time. Uh, I have spent far too long of my life living with 100-plus degree temperatures and upwards of 80-90% humidity for like five, six, seven months out of the year. Um, South Georgia, North Florida for you, there's no coastal breeze. Um, there's no cool wind coming off of a frosty nearby mountaintop. And uh, there is no relief for the wicked. And uh, we Southerners must be awfully wicked because there is no, uh, no rest and no respite for us when it comes to the summertime doldrums. It's fucking hot is, is another way of saying it. Another way to say it would be that there ain't no cures for the summertime blues. That's which, true. That's true. That, These are the dog days of summer. And I really don't know what that means. Right. <laughs> they are. Like, it, I mean, another thing is it rains cats and dogs. You know, it never rains in Southern California. That's uh, uh, It pours. Man, it pours. <laughs> but it rains cats and dogs. Uh here in the deep south and so yeah basically spending uh every day sweating my ass off and then periodic thunderstorms and um but we 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 definitely steer clear of tornadoes so there's never any real danger it's more just discomfort sure but hey hey Enough about the weather. No, no, no. This, that, 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 that's the that's the swamp for you, Darren. Them thunderstorms and that heat and that humidity. Uh, I don't miss that. I do miss the rain, however. Um, but uh, it, it is it is what it is. But uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, wrestling. Imagine that. Yeah, this is episode one thirty three. Episode thirteen three. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's episode thirteen three. <laughs> no one has ever said it like that before. Congratulations. It is. It is episode 133. This is the 133rd time we have joined uh, each other and you, dear listeners, to talk about professional wrestling. That's right. This is a professional wrestling podcast. We cover all of it. From the teeniest, tiniest little indie show to the hottest indies going today, the WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, all those companies that ride the lightning between indie wrestling and the big leagues. Uh, and now, of course, the new kid on the block. And I'm not talking about Danny, Donnie, Joey Jordan, or... Fuck, what's the last one's name? Jonathan. Uh, okay. Jonathan. Okay. Um, Jordan. Jordan. He's Jordan's brother. Um, Jordan's less talented and less attractive brother. Um, <laughs> That's hearsay. Of course, I'm talking in wrestling, the new kid on the block is not NKOTB. No, it is AEW All Elite Wrestling. And uh, we're going to talk about All Elite Wrestling today. We're going to talk about Fighter Fest, which is uh, almost two weeks ago now, and Fight for the Fallen, which is upon us. It is imminent. AEW is coming fast and furious, uh, not Hobbs and Shaw, but fast and furious with these pay-per-views um, or, or these free purviews. And hey, I like free previews. Oh yeah. And just try just get on BR Live and you can watch Fighter Fest replay or you can watch Fight for the Fallen this weekend. And we're going to talk about those shows. We're also going to talk about WWE putting up Evolve's 10th anniversary show against Fight for the Fallen. So we got a little head to head head to head going on between these two companies already. 
And we're also going to go head to head. Head to head. Ourselves making picks for this Sunday's Extreme Rules pay-per-view from the WWE. Also, we're going to talk about the ESPYs very briefly. So, we've got a lot of wrestling to talk about. It's mostly WWE and AEW sort of, uh, I don't know, throwing shade at each other, running uh, concurrent uh, pay-per-view shows, pay-per-view quality shows, whether they're free or not. Um this may never be a Monday Night Wars situation, but they are both out for one another. They are both going for the jugular. Uh, I think that that's abundantly clear already. Uh, I think the moment that Cody Rhodes dropped that sledgehammer uh, on that Iron Cross throne, uh, there really was no <laughs> no doubts left to be had. Yeah, it was. It's definitely personal um, and. Beyond the fact that it's the little guy versus the big guy, company-wise, it's that's also kind of the issue, right? WWE is this giant corporation, this giant evil corporation, if you will. And AEW is just a bunch of wrestlers who got together with a little bit of elbow grease and can-do attitude and some moonsaults. And they're going to build themselves their own empire. Yeah, that's what they did. They just got together with some elbow grease and some moonsaults. And somebody else's billion dollar bank account. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little uh as as much as you want this to be a Disney movie, folks, you have to remember that this was built on the, the backs the, the greenbacks, if you will, of the cons who said, Hey, here's a hundred million dollars, go start a, a wrestling organization. No, seriously. Because I like, wanna be your hey, friend, basically. <laughs> I wanna hang that? out. I wanna hang out and be your buddy. So here's a hundred million bucks uh, to to be my buddy. Well, you know, like it's really true though. That's that was a nice uh, a nice uh, analogy you gave there because Vince McMahon is the evil billionaire, but like his enemy is just going to be another evil billionaire. It's like AEW is not the Mighty Ducks. Like they're the evil or, or the team from Iceland. Is that is that who they were? Were they evil Icelandic? children <laughs> <laughs> could be i haven't watched any mighty duck movies uh since i was a child it didn't quite resonate with me like it does with so many really you didn't grow up playing hockey in north florida south georgia <laughs> no no as we mentioned before it's very hot uh so no <laughs> we did not Ah, uh, well that's a shame i did play blades of steel for the nintendo however uh which i quite enjoyed but i, I only ever played to get my players into fights uh so that is the only real reason hockey exists in any capacity is legal fighting. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's why. It, it is because even the fighting, which is legal in hockey, it's actually more legal than like fighting organizations. And I say that because like it's sort of no holds barred. Even UFC has too many rules now. Sure. But the hockey fights, it's like, well, we're 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 going to get penalized the same amount. We might as well try to kill each other. <laughs> sure. Because I'm going to get the same penalty whether I like slap you on the cheek or if I drive my ice skate through your eyeball. Yeah, you might as well go for it. I don't know. You might get in more trouble once the game was over with the law if you did that. But hey, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Uh, but but here and now, 
before we can talk about these stories, you know we got to talk about those headlines. So Fighter Fest, it was on Saturday, the 29th of June, 2019. I guess that's what we have to look forward to is AEW running consistently on Saturdays. And that was the case for Fighter Fest. This was the thing that was co-operated, uh, co co-organized, co-produced, co-promoted by CEO Gaming. This was sort of the baby of Kenny Omega, who seems to be <laughs> as big a fan of video games as he is of wrestling, if not more, and um, which is a little problematic for me, and I'll touch on that a little bit more later. But uh, at Fighter <laughs> Fest, honestly, it's they're not doing a lot. They're not doing a whole lot to win me over. They're not necessarily providing the do not miss alternative to the WWE that I expected them to do and that they did do before they formally organized as AEW. And of course I'm referring to the all in show from last year. It, they, they haven't repeated that success yet. They haven't even come close other than some moments. Sure. Sure. No, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I do think it was a, it was a tighter show. It was a neater show uh, than uh, double or nothing was. Uh, it was it was more concise, more to the point. A lot less. Uh, I don't want to say they kind of trimmed the fat, but it was a it was a slim and trim show by comparison. Um, yeah, I mean we we had those uh, we had that argument going into the show where it's like you need to kind of follow the NXT model, which is like have five or six really good matches, not with a thousand people. I know they're all your buddies. But, you know, uh, you're going to have to show us the best you've got if you want to get people interested and go, no, 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 this. You know what I mean? Because as it is, now it's just, oh, this. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, there's not a whole lot. There's, there's not a whole lot that they've done so far. And, and, I, and maybe we're putting too much. I mean, maybe we're investing too much into it. But they kind of hype themselves up. So they kind of set themselves up for disappointment, um, if you ask me. We have seen some cool things. The Rhodes Brothers fighting, to me, so far sticks out as, as something that we would not have seen under any of, any other circumstances. Um, and there were some very good matches here, but do we really need another configuration of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix? And you know what I mean? Like, do we, do we need that? Because I've seen that a uh, hundred thousand times. Uh, can we do something else now? Uh, we got Moxley versus Janela. Very cool. Hadn't seen that one. Uh, and we got uh, Darby Allen versus Cody, uh, which we will uh, get into as well. But uh, beyond that, I mean, there's definitely some talent here, but this, it's missing something for, for me to get really hyped and excited about it. Okay. Going back to your first point, are we overhyping it? Are we expecting too much? No, we're not. They are. Okay. They are overhyping it. Fair. They are promising too much. And they're not delivering it. That's not the viewer's fault. That's not our fault. That's their fault. You can't promise everything and deliver short of everything. I mean, no one's ever going to deliver everything, so you better not promise everything. But that's what AEW is doing right now, and I think that that is to their detriment because we are getting subpar shows. Not bad shows, but they're subpar. Because they've established that par is, oh my God, I can't look away. <laughs> sure. And it's not that. It's not that. 
Could it ever be that? It could. But they've got to get more must-see talent. That's what they don't have. They've got some must-see talent. They've got some absolutely must-see talent. And then they got a lot of also-rans. And that's what's to be expected from a brand-new company. Well, then market it that way. But don't market it as if every match is going to be Austin and Rock, Hogan and Andre, Macho and Steamboat, uh, you know, Michaels and Undertaker. It's not, it's not that. It's it's not that at all. They're they're giving us one of those matches per show at most. And really, I have yet to see an AEW match on any show that could stand up to any of those aforementioned dream matches or historic matches or game-changing matches. Uh, might we see them in the future? Sure as shit we might. We haven't seen them yet, and yet it's being it's still being advertised, still being promoted as being that thing, and it's just not yet that thing. Cody versus Darby Allen. Let's start there. Um, I don't want to talk about this whole card because I really, I really didn't enjoy this whole card, but I did enjoy Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen. First of all, on paper, this match got me super excited. I've been a fan of Darby Allen ever since I saw him uh, on some itty bitty indie show that I watched on YouTube right before his first appearance at Fest Wrestling. Uh, just to familiarize myself with him. Then once I saw him wrestle a few times at Fest, then I started watching him more and more uh, in other organizations. And now I think it's badass that the dude is working for AEW. I'm going to go ahead and say about Darby Allen and Cody the same thing that I would say about Joey Janela and John Moxley. There is still a difference between the type of uh, <laughs> GMO products that Vince McMahon grows uh, and your average independent wrestling star because nobody would have ever considered Cody Rhodes or Dean Ambrose big guys. In fact, in a WWE ring, those guys are little guys, but Cody as compared to Darby Allen and John Moxley on this night, as compared to Joey Janela looked like fucking giants. <laughs> right. And that's because Allen and Janela, I mean, these are these are grassroots, indie-sourced dudes. And uh, Cody and Moxley, I mean, these are like hand-picked WWE archetypes. And all of a sudden, they looked like giants. So I'll, I will say that. It was exciting to see the concept of Darby Allen versus Cody and the concept of Joey Janela versus Moxley. But I would be lying to you and to our dear listeners, which I would never do. I would never lie. And I would be lying if I said I didn't experience my jaw dropping at the, the, the size difference between the indie guys and the so, and the like the so-called former WWE superstars. So, yeah, well, I mean, at the same time, Ambrose uh, slash John Moxley is the biggest he's ever been. He was looking more like a regular WWE guy, you know, at the end of his run there. So uh, maybe him a year ago wouldn't quite be 
such a big difference. But no, Cody Cody Rhodes uh, next to Darby Allen was definitely a very big difference. Where Darby Allen just kind of looked like a, a just like a, a really fit guy, you know what I mean, from the audience or whatever. Uh, the, you, like you said, the match looks really good on paper. I thought that's kind of the best the match looked was on paper. Uh, the actual execution I was not a fan of because Cody Rhodes basically beats the shit out of Darby Allen for half the match. Half the match is him literally throwing Darby Allen out of the ring, and Darby Allen is in such pain he's like crawling around, and it's like, okay, you pose no threat whatsoever to Cody Rhodes. Why is there a match? Um, I thought that was just kind of bad booking. Um, it does become a good match, though, uh, into into or middle to end, I should say. Um, but that entire beginning was like, okay, you guys are wasting time. I guess I think what because they wanted to hit that time limit, right? So the match could basically, oh, yeah. yeah, keep going, but. That doesn't mean the whole beginning of the match has to be boring as hell. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I did well, not like that very much. I know what you're saying, but I think what they were going for was a was showing a clash of styles. Because, again, even though Cody is by no means a big guy, he is so much bigger than Darby Allen that he kind of did the, like, big galoot shtick. Uh, like kind of lumbering around and not being able to like keep up with Darby Allen um, as Darby would like, you know, jump over him and like spin around him and like slide across the canvas, you know, like he was like, you know, like he was pressing like forward, forward high kick or something. Right. Right. (laughs) So I guess, I guess pun intended since this was a video game produced show, but like, I think that that's what they were going for, and it, it produced a lot of non-action because it was like a defensive battle, so to speak. Um, nevertheless, you got to give it to Darby Allen for taking that wicked-ass uh, back bump. The uh, coffin, coffin drop. drop. Yeah, coffin drop on the outside of the ring. Yeah, that was pretty gnarly. No, absolutely, which it's not to say that there weren't impressive feats and some really good wrestling that did happen after the first half of the match. But again, that first half, like, basically took me out of the match. It's just like, please. Like, put him in a sleep. I, I, I'm longing for a sleeper hold. Like, th- that's how much I want them to just be in the ring and just interacting instead of Darby Allen going, Oh, God, how am I going to overcome this juggernaut Cody? You know what I mean? On the outside the whole time. So, And, uh, yeah, putting, uh, putting uh, Darby Allen in the body bag... And then uh, pulling a Jason Voorhees and slamming him uh, down while he's in the, the body bag. Kind of like Voorhees did to the lady in the sleeping bag, if you watch the Friday 13th movies. Okay, well, for those who don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and at the end, there is no decisive winner. So that also kind of makes you feel like you wasted 20 minutes. Like, like not in a good way. Not in like a, oh, man. Like, this isn't like an hour-long Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, you know, Iron Man match where just the wrestling is so fucking good. And then, like, oh, my God, they went an hour. Now it has to keep going. Oh, my God, you know, hashtag fight forever. But, like, you know, really, not just we're all going to say it because this match is somewhat decent kind of a way. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, again, disappointing. But, you know, good good for good for Darby Allen to get that exposure. I, I do think he's a talented young lad. Well, I'm, I'm not disappointed. I like the match. And uh, I'm with you. It's great. It's great exposure for Darby Allen. And he's a full-time member of that roster. I mean, he's got a sat like he's an AEW employee, so we have not seen the last of him. In fact, he's already put out a promo uh, advertising his desire to get 
his hands on Cody again. So this is not something that's going away, which is great because, you know, Cody has nothing to do with him, you know, supposedly uh, in Jacksonville for Fight for the Fallen. And yet Darby is still talking about Cody. And that's one thing that I'm very, very excited about. Uh, Tony Khan uh, has said many times he likes the idea from the past and hopes to employ the idea in the present and the future of having more than one storyline going on at one time, having somebody be involved in multiple storylines. Right off the top of my head, one of my very favorite of all time has to be Brian Pillman feuding with Stone Cold Steve Austin while at the same exact time feuding with Goldust and Marlena. And there wasn't some, you know, Goldust and Austin weren't in it together. It wasn't some big, giant, overarching scheme. No, it was just Pillman was a loose cannon. It's exactly how he was billed. And so it's likely that he would rub more than one person the wrong way. And so he did. Um, and, like, that was great. I love that. Love it, love it, love it. And Cody is now, you know, he's got this thing going with Dustin. And they're going to fight the Young Bucks. And it's still, he's, you know, executive vice president of AEW. He's got all the stuff and he's got Brandy and Brandy's wrestling in addition to managing him and in addition to being the chief brand officer. And yet Darby Allen is still after him. Like, that's cool. That's, that's how it would work. Like, that's how real life works. Sure. Like, hashtag if wrestling were real, you don't just, it, life isn't about moving on, like, like levels in a video game. Again, to make another video game reference. Um, so I like that. I like that Darby is going to continue to go after Cody. However, part of what Darby Allen is saying is that he had this match, which he was proud of. He took Cody to the limit. He survived a hellacious beating. He dealt out a hellacious beating. And yet no one's talking about it. Instead, the only thing anybody's talking about is how the match ended or what happened before Cody could leave the ring, which, of course, is Sean Spears coming into the ring. Sean Spears, formerly known as the Perfect Ten Ty Dillinger in the WWE uh, and NXT, because blink and you might have missed him in the WWE. <laughs> uh, but Sean Spears, as he is now going, uh, going by, hits the ring with a chair and then hits... Cody with a chair and I've been watching this for a week and a half now and like literally could not figure out how Sean Spears seemingly hit Cody Rhodes in the unprotected forehead with the seat of a steel chair and yet Cody received 12 staples in the back of his head only today only today did I see a still picture which showed me exactly what happened. Can, can I guess what happened? Because I had a yeah. theory. Okay. Go for it. Well, he, he hits him with the, the seat of the chair, but I think he accidentally hooked him with the, the, the curve of the chair above it, right? Or the, the back support. The, 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 right. The bottom side of the back support. Yeah, which is a little jagged. Um, yeah, I, I, that's what I assumed happened. Uh, so yeah. Uh, okay. Well, well, you figured it out. I didn't. I looked at it from. <laughs> I mean, 
the, the, the fact of the matter is there was never an angle to even imply that. So I wasn't looking at that. I wasn't looking for that. I was looking at the angle, trying to figure out how in the hell I was like, did, it, did the seat bend that much? Or like, was the impact just so great that it just split his head like a melon? And like, none of that seemed to make any sense, but I, that's what I was going with. And then all of a sudden, I see this picture on Instagram from the complete opposite angle, like from the full-blown other side. And in it, you can see the moment of impact the seat is hitting Cody square in the forehead, which all by itself was a gnarly smack to the noggin. But what happens is he's bringing the chair down. Like, it's going forward, but there's just as much impact downward as there is forward. He hooks him. And so, so when Sean Spears does that, he's smacking Cody in the forehead, but he's also bringing that fucking chair down as hard as he can. And it does, like you said, it hooks him yeah. and it just catches him right there. And it is gross, dude. Those shots were grody. Yeah. It's uh, they, they mentioned it. The commentary team mentions it, which I'm not impressed by the commentary team. They got a lot of cleaning up to do. Uh, Jim Ross, John, Jim Ross for all of his past glories is terrible. Wow, I mean, it's it's hard for Jim Ross to be good uh, when there are these there are those very large lulls in between matches, and you can tell it's literally them grasping at straws to talk about anything. Like, oh my god, that's that that, that is not good. Like, is literally what <laughs> one of them said. That is not good. Like, it was like that's what you got. It is not good that that happened. Um, well, the the, one of the worst parts is that Jim Ross is supposed to be the lead commentator or the anchor or whatever you want to call him. He doesn't know who 65% of these people, who they even are. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't seem to be doing any research. And no one seems to be trying to help him. It's, and the result is that he's just flying blind. No, it's it's shades of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which he got better at because he did he eventually did so many shows he actually knew who people were. Um, but basically, he's the play by play guy, and the other guy is color ish, but really just they're just explaining. <laughs> they're just having to explain everything to Jim Ross, so Jim Ross can be like, "Oh well, I, I'm old. I don't know." I mean, you're, um, you get a lot of this this show, especially when it came to video game references, which I can't blame Jim Ross for that. But um, now, so yeah, the, the chair shots, uh, a lot of kerfuffle about this chair shot, Darren, because people are like, "What are you doing? You want to kill the Attitude Era of WWE? Then you bring in a chair shot like that, which harkens back to the Attitude Era." Yeah, let, let's forget that the Attitude Era stole that from ECW, um, and you know, and Steve Austin drinks beer with the audience because that's what the Sandman did in ECW, and. You know, he, now he does the stutter, which was, you know, Mikey Whipwreck's finisher, the whippersnapper. And yeah, let, let, let's, let's pretend that WWE didn't steal a lot of their edge, a lot of their, quote, attitude from Extreme Championship Wrestling. Uh, in fact, we'll talk more about Extreme Rules pay-per-view later on, a word oh, ripped God. from Extreme Championship Wrestling. Um, anyway, uh, all that's dumb. Uh, chair shots are not exclusive to WWE. You can quit, quit that argument right now because you're embarrassing yourselves. Uh, also, am I supposed to be excited uh, for for Ty Dillinger 
being involved in AEW? Because I'm not. It's Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears. He, he's a mid-carter. <laughs> like, he's going to well, have to do something to make me excited that he's involved in AEW because I could care less at this point. Okay. And all fairness to him. And, and obviously, no, I, it sounds like I just buried him, but he's just a guy from WWE at this point. But but here's the deal. And you're not wrong, but I, I am... Th- this is the kind of thing that I'm that I, I think is, is going to be good, but it can't be good immediately considering there's no foundation. Yeah. So this is laying foundation. So again, it may not be the best thing you've ever seen. It may not be the coolest surprise. Sean Spears may not be the hottest thing going in wrestling, but maybe three months from now, Cody versus Sean Spears might be redefining the game. It might not be, but it might be, but right now it's not. And so I think that, again, if you're going to place blame uh, or, or, or anything, you got to lay that at the you got to lay that at the feet of the fact that AEW is still promoting itself too big. It's too big for its own britches when it's barely gotten out of the gate. And, and the reason I say that is because ECW to make another ECW reference. I mean, when you're watching watching 1995, 1996 ECW, yeah, there's some badass stuff going on. There is Raven and Dreamer. There is Taz and Sabu. There's the Rotten Brothers and Taipei Broken Glass Tape Fist Death Match. You know, there's the Dudleys and there's the Eliminators. Guess what? There's also Tommy Cairo. There's the Bruise Brothers. There's a bunch of bullshit going on, too. Oh, sure. For for every Rob Van Dam, you're going to have at least two C.W. Andersons. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the thing is, Paul Heyman knew that. Paul Heyman was offering an alternative, and therefore it was always booked as an alternative. He didn't want you to watch ECW because it was bigger than WrestleMania or it was more star studded and uh, mind blowing than Starcade. No, he wanted you to watch it because it was the best damn bingo hall indie wrestling on earth that there ever was. That's what you tuned in for. Well, guess what? When you watch that, sure. The people in your main event are probably going to be top notch. Again, they're going to be Shane Douglas. They're going to be, uh, Cactus Jack or Steve Austin or something like that. Uh, But the rest of the card is not full of, you know, Ric Flair's and Hulk Hogan's and Bret Hart's. It's, it wasn't that it was an alternative. The problem right now is that AEW is not presenting itself as an alternative. It's presenting itself. It is marketing itself as an equal and it isn't that. Well, anyway, to, to finish up about Fighter Fest, we've got to talk about the match that AEW would have you believe didn't happen on an AEW show at all. That was, of course, the, the way they presented the unsanctioned match, which I think confused a lot of people and uh, turned off a lot of people, but I thought it was actually really cool. What did you think? 
it, it confused a lot of people. Because uh, <laughs> there was like, and that's the last match for AEW Fighter Fest. That being said, we have one match left. It was just like, what are you? Oh, the unsanctioned thing. Okay, yeah, that's weird. Um, See, that's the that's the AEW thing I'm for. Sure. Is they are going out of their way to make things feel and seem different. And for a while, there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some areas where people are confused. This was one of them, but I don't think the result is that it sucked. I think it was just a little confusing, but it was actually pretty cool. Some some things uh, maybe got too much of a reaction. Some things got too little of a reaction. I thought the crowd was very odd uh, for this show. Some things, they, they, react, they overreacted to some things. And then, like, when, like, a finish would happen or something big would happen, there was just no reaction whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of odd. It was like, yeah, people should have popped when that happened, but it didn't happen. Uh, anyway, whatever. Well, I think a large part, you know what I think a large part of that is? Huh. Again, it's AEW presenting itself as an equal to WWE when you know that they know their audience is not the WWE audience. So you can't feed that indie crowd, that New Japan, ROA, MLW, and, you know, indie darling, YouTube watching, uh, Bullet Club t-shirt wearing audience, WWE style programming. Not right now. After you build up more of a fan base, maybe. But I, I, AEW has really got to figure out what it is. Because Tony Khan says it has the money. It has the, the engine. It has the engine. It has the guts of the WWE. But doesn't intend to be the product that is the WWE. But so far, it is. Other than the the unprotected chair shot to the head, there wasn't anything about this show that was that outside the box. So I'm saying, again, I'm belaboring this point, but it's the most glaring topic of the week. And that is AEW needs to figure out what it is because right now they're saying they're one thing and they're producing a different product and that crowd is going to react strangely. Exactly like you just said. Right. Acting incredibly strangely. But anyway, the unsanctioned match itself is, of course, John Moxley versus Joey Janela. And I think that this match um, had some weird slow points, but in spots alone, not only delivered, I think it over delivered in the best way possible. Uh, this was this was hardcore. Sure. The, the, this was the John Moxley that we'd heard about. You know what I mean? Like the, the John Moxley that uh, people hear whispers of the way Dean Ambrose used to be before we came to WWE and wrestled the safe style or whatever. Uh, so yeah, as far as that goes, it delivered. I mean, there were plenty of parts that I watched where I winced and just, oh, anything with barbed wire that sticks to you, it's like, oh no, not that. That's the worst. Uh, then thumbtacks were introduced and uh, yeah, I mean... This is a hardcore match, uh, which we all figured Moxley was so capable of and knew Janela was down for, and he got, be careful what you wish for, I guess. Uh, I'm sure he has quite a few uh, scratch marks 
uh, slash thumbtacks uh, in his 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 on his person these days, old Janela. Uh, but uh, I think it's it's the 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 crowd wanted blood and they got it. And I think this match does deliver. Unfortunately, it was not on the show though. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was after the show, so this match doesn't count. So just saying, it's unsanctioned. Uh- I really like the match. Um, we we got a bunch of, of wince moments. We got a bunch of blood. We got a bunch of holy shits. Um, I mean, they went through a combined. I mean, like how many tables did they go through? Five or six. There were two different uh, sets of plywood covered in you know coiled up barbed wire. Uh, best spot of the match. Single best spot of the match to me, of course, is Janella dropping the Macho Man elbow drop. Off the top of a ladder, which I guess is probably about a 15-foot ladder maybe. It wasn't quite a 20-foot, I don't think. Yeah, and thank God for that instant replay because the way they shot it when it happened in real time, it didn't look like it was that high up in the air. It wasn't until that far away shot that you realized, holy shit, that was really high up in the air. So thank God for instant replay. Yeah, that far away shot showed that that was the spot of the night. Um Kudos to Janela for going for it. Like he doesn't, he doesn't pull anything. And uh, how they both didn't end up with broken ribs from that spot, I'll never know. Because Janela, coming off the top of a 15 foot ladder in perfect Macho Man form, dropping the big elbow onto John Moxley, who's laying on top of two tables uh, outside the ring, and then for them to come crashing down after that impact. I mean. That, that was amazing. Um, of course, the spot that really had everybody shook is Moxley pouring the most thumbtacks I've ever seen uh, on a wrestling canvas after two different uh, bags of them are spilled everywhere. He removes Janela's uh, wrestling shoes and socks and then drops him repeatedly on his back, on his ass, on his side, and then, yes... Bare feet first into thumbtacks, um, and there's no there's no chance in hell. Uh, one hundred times out of one hundred, I would ha- decline to to execute that spot. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty painful, of course. Uh, but the match does end with Moxley uh, victorious, though not for long. Kenny Omega did not forget what he owed one Jonathan Mox. Moxelstein, uh, John Moxley, and uh, comes out and beats the crap out of uh, John Moxley. So we get the continuation of that story. That story continues. Uh, that means the same thing. And uh, <laughs> well, I am looking forward to that match whenever it does happen. I'm just I want to see Omega just fight people and, and not have to fight Chris Jericho again and and not be involved in six-man tags with the the Young Bucks. And I, you know I love Omega. I also think pound for pound Omega is the best wrestler in the world right now. And I love the Young Bucks. One of the best tag teams uh, going. But I just, I'm just i so tired of seeing the same matches over and over again. Another another detriment to AEW is, you know, there are these great matchups like the Rhodes Brothers, you know, and, and Moxley and Janela. But then you have these matches you've seen a thousand times before in ROH and New Japan. So it's like, you're supposed to show me something new. Don't tell me you're the best wrestling organization on the planet. Just be the best wrestling organization on the planet, and I'll make that call for you. I'll be the one saying, hey, they're the best wrestling organization on the planet. It works better that way. I wonder if you're ever going to do that. I wonder if you're ever going to do that. I 
Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, but here's the thing. It's up to them. Sure, sure, absolutely. It's up to them. It's not up to you. It's up to them. Make Perry have no option but to say that. Precisely. Back me into a corner. They have another chance, though, coming up. Darren Beasley. That's right. Fight for the Fall in AEW. Another AEW show. Hard to believe we're like, what, three AEW shows in now already? Yeah, absolutely. Saturday, the 13th of July from Jacksonville, Florida, Fight for the Fallen. I know, I know. I told all you dear listeners that I was going to be there. And uh, I also told you that I would never lie to you. (laughs) So now I'm in a pickle. Um, We told you. I hope it's a bread and butter pickle because those are delicious. Oh, uh, uh, anyway. (laughs) Hey, I like bread and butter. Well, I like, I, like, I like toast and jam. <laughs> well, I will not be there, unfortunately. I did not. Uh, I just didn't. I didn't I didn't buy the tickets. Had a lot going on. And uh, so I will miss this show, despite the fact that it will be occurring only an hour and a half away from my house. Uh, regretfully, I will not be uh, in attendance for Fight for the Fallen. But um, I'm, I'm sure that we will talk about it next week. Uh similarly to how we've spoken about fighter fest, but just to look ahead at what is happening at the show. Um, one thing I'm very, very excited about is uh, jungle boy and Luchasaurus tagging together. Um, there, uh, I, <laughs> when I think about jungle boy and Luchasaurus, my mind goes to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> Turok 64. <laughs> Right, like man, you really aren't thinking about video games. This whole uh, fighter fest thing has got your uh, your brain going. Maybe because you saw the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega as Ken and Ryu, or Ryu, yeah. if you will, and uh, Akuma, right? Kenny Omega was Akuma. I thought it was funny that uh, Kenny Omega was not Ken, <laughs> and instead he was Akuma. And yeah, I, I was waiting for the explanation of Jim Ross as to what's going on, and we we did get that triple Hadouken. Uh, which uh, which <laughs> the Lucha Bros sold. Uh, so good on them, I suppose. Wrestling's real. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Fight for the Fallen. What can we what can we expect from Fight for the Fallen, Darren? Well, other than Turok, uh, <laughs> we, also there's a, there's a six-man tag match that I'm looking forward to. Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela. So, I mean, this is just like... Uh, Death Wish times three, um, taking on MJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears. Well, this is like six heels, right? Isn't this a like a six man tag? And like, who's gonna out heel each other? Basically, sure. I think Jimmy Havoc's just misunderstood, Darren. Okay, Jimmy Havoc's misunderstood. Darby Allen. I mean, he is misunderstood, but he's definitely a heel. And Joey Janela is a fan favorite, but he's a mean, mad man. Like, he's a heel. And so, like... They're just souls whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let them be misunderstood. Man, we've quoted so many songs. Oh, man. Run a roll tonight. We're really making up for lost time for missing last week's episode uh, with all these song references. Folks, if you're keeping up with these song references, hats off to you. 
Cody and Dustin, this is the match. This is why people are watching Fight for the Fallen, or at least it's why I'm watching, um, besides Turok. Um, Cody and <laughs> Dustin, the Rhodes brothers, are taking on the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick, the Jackson brothers, and uh, the, the Jacksonville brothers, of course, on this night. The Young Bucks taking on Cody and Dustin, the natural Dustin Rhodes. And, yeah, this match was set up by Cody asking Dustin to tag with him after they beat the dog shit out of each other uh, at Double or Nothing. So this has been building now for a little while, and I'm excited about it. I'm very excited to see the, the Rhodes brothers tagging together in this capacity. I'm curious how many more matches Dustin has in him. Um, I would not be surprised if this was his last match ever. Um, and I would also not be surprised if it wasn't. But uh, I'm curious how, how much wrestling we're going to get out of Dustin. If they're just going to keep running shows in Florida, you know, Dustin lives in Florida. He's not having to travel very far. Um, he's going to—he's working for his brother. So, the you know, not as much pressure. That's right. A little, little, uh, little dirty secret about wrestling, folks. All these wrestlers are like, you know, Texas for life. They all live in Florida. It's all fake bullshit. Just so you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then, you know, the other big story of the night is that Chris Jericho will be there live in Jacksonville. He's not wrestling, but he will have a quote-unquote live mic. Oh, good. And, and uh, <laughs> what will he have to say? Um, other than I'm sure he'll plug Dollar Shave Club and DDP Yoga. Um, Darren, Darren, which one's Jericho? The one with all the shit in his face? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he has he has less shit in his face in AEW than he does in New Japan. At yeah. least all the shit comes out of his mouth. Uh, so yeah, we, oh! we, we, we won't say we won't see uh, poorly done the crow Halloween makeup and hat too small for my head, Chris Jericho. Wow, tell us how you really feel. That's about how I really feel. That's not a new character. You didn't reinvent yourself, Jericho. Christ, you're so Chris Jericho. Hey, it's the it's the Judas in him. Oh God, is it the Judas elbow? The most creative move uh, in wrestling. It is. It's also a really legitimate, like martial arts move. No, like, no, yeah, absolutely. It's it's good. It's good. It's the the thing is, it's both defensive and offensive at the same time. I mean, I'm offended every time he does it. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, Darren, tell us how you really feel. Ah, did I do it right? Did I do it right? Sure, that's exactly what I sound like. Um, yeah, fight for the fallen. Uh, we'll we'll talk about it more next week after it's happened and we and we see what Jericho's got to say, who he's really going after. Is it is it Omega? Um, is it is it Cody? Is it management? Uh, what, what's that? You know, what what's the story? What is Jericho going to do next, leading up to All Out when uh, you know when we see him wrestle again, presumably? Hopefully, go back out on tour so I can watch Kenny Omega fight people I want to see him wrestle. Uh, is is my thing. Uh, they do have some competition, as you mentioned earlier, though, Darren. They are going, get this, head-to-head. Head-to-head. With WWE on that night, because it will be the 10th anniversary Evolve show uh, going down on the same night. 
that's crazy timing. We, we talked about this the last episode. You may remember that one, folks, from a few months ago. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was only a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, uh, Kenny Omega and the gang not too happy about the timing, but uh, it is what it is. You wanted a war, and this is your first taste. And this isn't even this isn't even like Extreme Rules is happening on the same night. This is Evolve show, which does have some NXT talent showing up. Um, and I will say WWE has gone out of their way to build this show up on uh, Facebook, at least. All these like uh, all these WWE superstars, former Evolve talent, like you know, talk about how much they owe to Evolve and all this stuff. It's like, oh, you care about Evolve now, WWE? Very nice, very nice. Um, but uh, there are some very interesting matchups announced for Evolve. There are um, a lot of these names I don't know. I'm going to straight up admit I don't know some of these names. But let's just run through the card really quick. We've got Josh Briggs versus Anthony Green. Oh yeah. The- <laughs> Uh, <laughs> off to a great start. Um, and we have Ted Jones versus John. John. Um, we've got a four-way dance between Kurt Stallion, Sean Maluda, Stephen Wolf, and Harlem Bravado. Sean Maluda? You hate Sean Maluda, last I recall. I do, I do hate Why him. do you hate Sean Maluda? He's a fine wrestler. I can't, I can't look at him. Oh my god! I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sean Maluda. I'm sure you're a wonderful. I can't look I'm at sure. him. I don't understand. I, I'm I'm sure that Sean Maluda is a scholar and a gentleman, and uh, but I can't look at him. Uh, Baba Tunde. Oh, Baba Tunde is fine. In uh, this is funny. Colby Carino. Um, Colby Carino, who actually, in some on some weekends, seems to have rejoined our dear friends of the show, the Ugly Ducklings. I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of which he was originally a part several years back, uh, and then other weekends he's not with them. And uh, on the, I, hey, I hope that the Ugly Ducklings are with him against Babatunde. On the WWE Network, on this Evolve card, that'd be bad ass. Right, right. But I don't think it, I don't think they are. No, I really wish they were. That, that, that they would also be uh, renamed to the the unattractive chicks. <laughs> J- just because, I, just because. I was about to I was about to elaborate on that, but I think I better not. Okay. Um, okay. Next up is Anthony Henry versus Arturo Ruiz. Shotzi Blackheart. I know her. Versus, yeah, versus Brandy Lauren. Uh, the Evolve Tag Team Championship, Eddie Kingston and Joe Gacy taking on AR Fox and Leon Ruff. The Evolve Championship and the WWN Championships are both on the line. Title versus title, winner take all, Austin Theory versus J.D. Drake. And then... WWE's heavy influence on this card. We will see Matt Riddle take on WWE Cruiserweight Champion Drew Gulak. And we will see the NXT Championship defended by Champion Adam Cole against 205 Live's Akira Tozawa. Now, honestly, these shows... And by these shows, I mean AEW's Fight for the Fallen and Evolve's 10th Anniversary card... They're going on at the same time. They're both streaming. 
Uh, Fight for the Fallen is streaming on BR Live app. That's Bleacher Report Live app. You can watch it for free. And Evolve's 10th anniversary show is streaming on the WWE Network. And um, the, the talent that is on these two cards, in my mind, is about the same. I mean, AEW, the, the, the names that are on the AEW card, of course, many of them carry a little bit more uh, cachet. They, they have, a little, carry, have a little more clout, I guess. But even Fight for the Fallen, the, the, the top-notch talent really comes down to just a couple of matches. And Evolve, they've definitely got a couple of big-time matches. Um, out of all of these matches, I think... I think the one I might be the most excited about is Matt Riddle versus Drew Gulak. Um, Matt Riddle versus Drew Gulak for the Evolve show and the Rhodes brothers versus the Young Bucks at the uh, AEW show. Those are the two matches of the weekend as I see it. Um, the coolest thing of all, now that I'm not attending Fight for the Fallen, that would have been the coolest the coolest thing left, since I'm now doing all of this from the comfort of my own living room, is that the Evolve show is being held at the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. Now, the reason for that is because WWE has all their trucks in town for Extreme Rules the next night. But the fact that Evolve is actually happening at Swanson and Rittner, at you know the new Alhambra, at ECW Arena, at the world's most famous bingo hall, that's pretty cool. Sure, sure, absolutely. Which, again, you know, only cool because of ECW. And it's WWE just kind of going like, and us, remember? Oh, absolutely, but I, I can't help but be excited. I'm sure it won't look anything like ECW Arena, and it won't feel that way. Uh, but I don't know. Other than these... The, these big-time WWE people appearing on the show, this is a really, really indie show on the WWE Network. Now, that is super cool. We talked last week about how controversial it is because people feel it's WWE taking a cheap shot at trying to, like, you know, uh, outshine AEW. Hey, all's fair in love and war. I was gonna say the same thing. Like you can't, you can't be, you can't, you know. <laughs> I'll say this: if we have kids listening, I apologize. Kids, skip, hit that fifteen-second <laughs> skip button. You can't run around with your fucking dick and balls hanging out, saying you're the best in the world, and not expect people to go, "Oh yeah, well, fuck you." This then, you know what I mean? You, you're you're bringing any negativity. You're you're a magnet for it. You're bringing it on yourself. And again, oh, if, you, if you can't handle an Evolve show happening during your pay-per-view, then you are going to get fucked by Vince McMahon when WWE proper shows happen the same night your show is going down. So, I think the big takeaway this week is keep your dick and balls in your pants <laughs> because... You're just going to bring unwanted attention to yourself Basically. when you have them outside of your pants. Precisely. Precisely that. All right. Um, in our last bit of news, um, before we go head-to-head, head-to-head, talking about that Extreme Rules show the following night in Philadelphia, 
Let's talk about the fact that ESPN, in all uh, in this weird partnership that they seem to have with WWE, have actually added a best WWE moment of the year to their ESPY Awards presentation. Now, uh, I have to say, I, I saw something that was that was very funny to me. Um, as a as a, a guy who was an athlete for you know two thirds of his life, and a guy who loves sports to this day, on most uh, in most circumstances where I hear a non sports fan start making fun of sports, I either look away and decide to not engage, or I engage and get terribly upset. Um, in the instance that I am about to relate, neither of those things happened. In fact, I laughed pretty heartily. I'm referring to Seth Rogen appearing on the Jimmy Kimmel show, and they and Rogen was sort of making fun of the ESPYs and how unnecessary or redundant or superfluous they were as an awards ceremony. He's like, you don't need an awards ceremony because you already know who the best are in sports statistics. There, yeah. you the winners are the winners. The, you you play the games and whoever wins has already won. Why are you now having an awards ceremony? Ha ha ha! It's tongue in cheek. He knows exactly. Even though he is an admitted non-sports fan, he knows what he's doing. He's making the joke, and it is a funny joke. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I mean that, that's the thing. I mean that's why you have the Oscars. Because and that's when like the, the 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 poor you know starving artists you know best actor movies that's when they get their rewards you know because they didn't have they weren't these blockbuster movies because money is its own reward but that's why they're they're Oscars that's why you, you have the movies it's like okay this is gonna make no money and it's gonna be out in like three theaters in the world uh, for a weekend but. You know, hopefully we'll get some Oscars out of it and get some eyes on it, and then people will watch it. It's not like, you know, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, or whatever the hell, you know, is going to win an Oscar. It doesn't need to because it makes a zillion dollars, but, you know, anyway, so there's that. ESPYs, though, I don't know what the point is. I, I, I don't know. Well, I, it's just, it's more trophies for people who typically win lots of trophies. I don't understand that. Well, first of all, I know exactly what it is, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell Seth Rogen and Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, it's like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and Seth Rogen. Uh, or Cookie Monster. Um, he has a Muppet, yes. The the ESPYs, the, the first answer, and you're going to love this because it's, your, it's oh, the answer oh, you uh, always... Does it involve money? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. The first reason, it's the, it's the answer you always give me. It's the answer I hate, but it's the truth. Why did, does ESPN put on the ESPYs? Because it's another opportunity to sell... Very expensive advertising slots. If you put on a show that you that you tout as being the sports level equivalent of the Emmys or the Grammys or the Oscars or whatever, then you forgot Tonys. You know, the Tonys. Sure, the Tonys. Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Ty sorry, Tyler. I didn't mean to leave out the Tonys. The Anthony's. Uh, some call them. You know, but this gives ESPN an opportunity to sell expensive advertising, to roll out a red carpet and have their own red carpet show and have the E network show up and the the skeleton of Joan Rivers and uh, you know, 
They get to... <laughs> you, you, you know she's really deceased now, Darren, correct? Yes, that's why I said the skeleton of Joan Rivers. Okay, I thought you were making a joke because she looked like a corpse towards the end of her life, but now she actually is one. I just wanted to make sure that you knew that she was deceased. Okay. Oh, no, she didn't look like a corpse. She looked like one of those puppets from the uh, Land of Confusion music <laughs> video. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious and equal oh. parts terrifying. Yeah, so no, I'm aware of that, and that's why they have to bring out... Okay, I'm sorry, maybe that was in poor taste, but uh, hey, Joan Rivers, I think she would laugh. She was a comedian, she was brutal, she would have laughed at that. She would have said the same of herself, folks. You had to know the lady. Anyway. But anyway, yeah, and they, they rent out the Staples Center, they get Justin Timberlake to show up and do a dance and spin around, or, you know, something like that. And they get to pretend that they're not sports for one night, that they get to be Hollywood, because everybody wants to be Hollywood, Instead of just being what they what they are, uh, take for instance Vince McMahon, who's never satisfied only being wrestling. He wants to also be Hollywood, um, and so that's what the ESPYS really are. Secondly, what they are, because yes, Seth Rogen, if you win the Super Bowl, the reward is that you won the Super Bowl. You don't need a trophy at an award ceremony chosen by a panel. The awards are actually, for the most part, they're pretty. They're pretty relevant they're pretty touching i'll say there there are things like the the persistence award the courage award stuff that honors like um uh, tennis player arthur ash who died of aids and jim valvano uh basketball coach who died of cancer many years ago so it's about uh honoring like the legacies of these individuals as well as promoting like th those who have persevered through personal tragedy or who are an inspiration to others or that sort of thing. It's sort of a, a night spotlight those individuals. Right. Also, and also the very important uh, greatest WWE moment of the year. Equally important. Uh, no, no, you're, you're very, you're very right, well, Darren. You're no, 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 no. You're, you're very right. You're very right. I know very little about the SBs, as does clearly Seth Rogen. This is a good example of people who don't know about things, but just make jokes about them. Uh, and really, it's just out of ignorance, literally ignorance, because they just don't know. And and that's people should should do less of that these days, I say. Says the guy who you know is one half of a wrestling podcast where we criticize things like AEW and what it takes to make a promotion and stuff like that. I, I get it. I understand what's happening here, folks. But anyway, um, no, and I'm sure the I mean the ESPYs are just entertainment. It's more entertainment. Re you know, wrestling fans can never get enough wrestling. Sports fans can never get enough sports. So let them have the fancy award ceremony. Uh, but there was an award for WWE Moment of the Year, correct? That is correct. And uh, among the candidates were Becky Lynch capturing uh, both women's championships at WrestleMania, Ronda Rousey winning the Raw Women's Championship, uh, Roman Reigns returning uh, to the WWE after uh, his leukemia going into remission. And I think the last one was maybe Seth Rollins beating Lesnar uh, for the Universal Championship. Um, that last one is kind of bleh, but like, you know, I actually understand the others. And in the spirit of the night, Roman Reigns did win the the, the award basically for, um, you know, being an inspiration and, you know, beating a terrible disease. 
Representing the WWE on the red carpet, uh, we saw Becky, the new power couple, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins, uh, along with Roman Reigns. They Their uh, party would be crashed by Triple H and Stephanie, who showed up. Stephanie looking uh, amazing in her red uh, jumper, uh, a one-piece a one piece red pantsuit uh, that hooked around the back of her neck, and Triple H whose beard is, he's going to end up looking like Billy Gibbons and Dusty Hill of ZZ Top, because uh, that beard is getting out of control. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was it was weird to see WWE people there um, on the red carpet, right in the middle of, you know, the U.S. women's soccer team, and congratulations to them, uh, and, uh, you know, basketball players and NFL rookies and golfers and NASCAR drivers, I think when you put WWE people right beside those, it becomes more evident than ever that wrestling has become less and less and less and less of a sport. Sure, absolutely. Um, and there's definitely people who are like, why are they here? You know, why are they there? And I, I kind of, I get that. I don't, uh, I don't fight that argument anymore. I'm not, I mean, wrestlers are athletes. They are athletic. They do athletic things, absolutely. But wrestling just isn't football or basketball. And that's fine because wrestling is wrestling, you know, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but I, I noticed also like the latest uh, cover of like like ESPN or something like that. It's got Becky Lynch and Allison Brie on the cover. Yeah. Which is interesting in a, in a, in a whole new way. Because people would look at wrestlers next to, you know, football players, basketball players and go, those aren't real, you know, athletes. Those aren't real sports. Now you have Becky Lynch, who is a wrestler, next to someone who plays a wrestler in a TV show. And now it's like, hey, she doesn't do what she does. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, but wait, it's, it's kind of the same thing in a way. So that I thought that was a very interesting contrast. Like, ooh, this is kind of like a whole new dimension. There is a fifth dimension, according to Rod Serling, which is incorrect. It's not even a fourth dimension. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> anyway, I thought that was very interesting. And then some people are upset that Becky Lynch and Allison Brie are on the cover of like ESPN magazine. I get that. But as much as I love glow and I really enjoy Becky Lynch, I, I kind of get that. That's fine. Um, I don't mind obviously, but I understand if people do mind is what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah. I see both sides of it. I, I think it's cool. You know I'm why Darren? Because we're the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. We're not going to be like, oh, yeah, wrestling for life, Becky Lynch. We're going to say, I see why it's weird on both sides. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I definitely, I see why it's, you know, very cool. And I see why people would object to it. I think it's very cool. Sure. And I'm going to buy a copy and I'll probably frame it. Um, because it's cool as shit. Like, uh, I'm very, you know, I'm very, very excited. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got a text from a friend the other day who said that he had found a copy, uh, an original copy of the Sports Illustrated uh, that had Hulk Hogan on the cover from like 30 years ago. And uh, he's mailing it to me. And that's absolutely going to go in a frame uh, because that's that is cool as shit. You should send it to Coach Mikey, though I'm sure he already has it. <laughs> um, so... I, my last my last comment on the the SB's situation is it's best w as if we need it's best WWE moment as if we needed 
any more proof than it's just WWE, a predetermined entertainment product that has a handshake agreement, and, well, and far more than that, with ESPN to co-promote. It's as if we needed any more evidence than that. It's not the wrestling moment of the year. It's no. the WWE moment of the year. If this were legitimate at all, which it's not as long as it's pro wrestling, but if it wanted to be legitimate at all, it should be the pro wrestling moment of the year. And, you know, what would it be? Would it be something from New Japan? You know, would it be something from New Japan? Would it be something from Ring of Honor? Would it be something from Progress it would or be, NXT? It would be the big blockbuster movies up against the indie movies, you know, for an award, which doesn't typically happen. Um, but that would be fair. Sure, it, that it, would be fair. Yeah, that, that would be fair, Darren. That's nice. But this is this is along the lines of Mansoor winning the fifty-man battle royal. This is just knowing what side your bread is buttered on, as Darren Beasley well, it's just, would it, say. It's catering. It's catering to the lowest common denominator. Sure. It is another word that starts with that sound K. It's kayfabe. It's kayfabe to death. It is kayfabed. Uh, Vince McMahon holds all the cards and they're marked cards and he's going to tell you how he does the trick uh, and then he's still going to do the trick. Sure, absolutely. Uh, anyway, speaking of uh, WWE pulling a fast one, they're going to try and pull a fast one and convince everybody that they're putting on a good show this Sunday. Whoa. And uh, we're going to make our picks. We're going to talk about the card as it stands right now, as it is booked, and we're going to pick our winners uh, in that old-fashioned way that we love so dear, and that's when you, Perry Smith, and me, Darren Beasley, go head-to-head. Head-to-head. Hey, guys, this is Sue Young, and you're listening to the show that calls it Straight Down the Middle, the whole reppin' show. On the evening of Sunday, the 14th of July, 2019, in the Wells Fargo Center from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a.k.a. Barbed Wire City, the WWE brings us extreme rules or normal rules. Uh, extremely <laughs> normal rules. Well, well. Before you continue on, Darren, let's talk about that. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we mentioned quite a few times throughout this episode, it seems, uh, WWE borrowing a lot from uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling, especially this buzzword, extreme, which means nothing nowadays, by the way. And, no, especially, and especially for them, because the most extreme they ever got, I mean, they, they couldn't surpass, like, King of the Ring 98, Mick Foley slash Mankind falling through the cage and getting chokeslammed on thumbtacks. Many, many hardcore things happen, sure, but that's the only one people really remember. You know, that and Shane McMahon. That and Fall McMahon. Jumping off some very high places. Um, so yeah, they need to let go of the award extreme because uh, it's not theirs. They stole it. Uh, yeah, and there also, first thing, this has to be the least extreme extreme rules there's ever been there's only a there's 10 matches uh as it stands right now and that may change only these 10 matches Those are only 10 matches <laughs> yeah yeah out of these 10 matches most of them not extreme in any way 
the one thing that they at least pretended to do in previous years was give every single match had some sort of gimmick which could be construed as being extreme. Here's a cage match. Here's a, a, a strap match. Here's a tables match. No, They may have not gotten extreme, but they had a gimmick that somewhere in wrestling's history had produced what would have been at the time considered a pretty damn extreme match, whether it was replicated on that night or not. Just, just say that every match has no disqualification. And that basically, that's so blanketed and so general, that's kind of extreme enough. That way you're kind of covered. As we know, folks, it is extreme rules, so there are no disqualifications. Like, anything goes, and that's it. You don't have to have a table match every match. You don't have to have a barbed wire baseball bat match. You know, just something. And then the second thing, and this is the big question of the day, not only for me, but I think a lot of people are probably asking this, and uh, at hashtag dear listeners, you know, Perry and I don't uh, script this show and we don't really do a lot in the way of pre-production. We really we don't. don't. <laughs> we don't want to prefabricate anything to you. So I've told you what my perspective is. I've told you what I am aware a lot of the Internet wrestling community's perspective is. But until he answers me in a second, I don't know what Perry's perspective is. But I'm going to say this to Perry's point about WWE has borrowed extreme, it has stolen extreme, and whether or not it embodies extreme, the one extreme thing it does have is Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, as we reported on our last episode, have been named your creative directors of Raw, that being Heyman, and SmackDown Live, that being Eric Bischoff, uh, in order to steer this company right, get them out of um, you know the dire straits that they're in, supposedly, that Vince McMahon is also supposedly uh, trying uh, to acknowledge, trying to bring himself to accept. Perry, how much has Heyman and Bischoff been uh, an influence since being named creative directors? Uh, well... The product has definitely changed since the announcement. A lot of people are, are pretty positive on the way the last couple of Raws and SmackDowns have uh, gone down. Um, Bischoff, I don't know how hands-on he's been at all. It was supposed to be a very gradual thing. And when they say gradual in wrestling, typically that means like in six months or so. Um, but So for Bischoff, I don't know how much input he's had at this point, if any, um, Heyman, I, I have read, has had quite a bit to do with Raw since the announcement. Um, but at the same time, it could just be they changed a couple things for the better, and now people automatically assume it's just better because Heyman and Bischoff are in charge. So basically, they're tricking themselves into thinking it is better. You know, oh, it should be better because of this, therefore, it must already be better. You know what I mean? So it, it could be this really weird mental trick that uh, Vince McMahon pulled on everybody. Uh, but I, I, again, to answer your question, Heyman has had some creative input. Bischoff, it's unknown, for me at least. Okay. Well, the, re the reason I had to ask is because from my perspective, since there has been no clear-cut announcement of any kind, as far as Heyman goes, we know he's pretty much there every week anyway. Because even if Lesnar wasn't there, which would have put Heyman 
on the air out there as his advocate, as he's been uh, featured most prominently over the past several years. We know he's there because he has been floating in some creative capacity. And I know that whether it was in his contract or not, because you see so many people hugging him backstage and you see people like Ruby Riot giving him credit for helping them. So even if it's in an unofficial capacity, Heyman's already been on the road with WWE for years now and is such a creative force. There's no way he's keeping his mouth shut. So with even the news being out there that at some point in the future, he would be this, you know, whatever you want to consider a creative director. Even if there were a date set out there in the future, but he was still there every week, you really expect somebody like Paul Heyman to sit idly by and wait for that day to approach? Or do you expect him to fucking saddle up and, and start, you know, shooting to kill? If I know Heyman, like I think I know Heyman, it's the latter. Sure. I uh, I do think, and we we talked about this when we talked about this all happening, I guess that was two weeks ago when we discussed this, um, that because they did it this way, where it was an announcement on, like, the internet, it was like a press release that Bischoff would be taking over SmackDown, Heyman taking over Raw, and it's not something that just happened on Raw one night. It is kind of like, but is it really, is it happening? Did it happen already? Is it happening now? Is it later? Right. So, like, we, because they haven't announced it to the, like, you know, it's not part of the story. We don't know for sure what is happening. Um, which I, 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 the more I think about it, the more I think they probably should have just done that. That way, like, all, you know, creative control and power, you know, I'm back, folks. Ah, and me too. And then, okay, from here on out, what I'm seeing is their influence. Okay, good. I don't have to be like, is it? But is it them? Did that happen because of DePaul? Is that Heyman's thing? You know, because it is very confusing. Um, as far as uh, people thinking Paul Heyman, I do think he's a guy who's around and people just ask for advice and he gives it to them. Um, we watched, uh, you showed me that Paul Heyman uh, documentary that came out a few years ago. And I think like there's like a segment with Natalia and him talking and, and she's like, uh, yeah, like I ask Paul ideas all the time. I think he's the kind of guy that just... If anyone walks up and say, you know, what do I do? Paul's like, I think you should do this. You know, um, now have <laughs> a bit more of that. Uh, when it's like, you're going to do this. Uh, so that should be very interesting. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, you 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 can't deny that Paul Heyman is just one of the creative geniuses of wrestling. He really is. If there if there were a Mount Rushmore on the creative side of wrestling, Heyman's on it. Love him or hate him. That guy fucking knows wrestling. Um, absolutely. So, and he, he hasn't lost touch with the audience either. You know what I mean? McMahon probably had, McMahon probably had a good lock on what people wanted to see for a while, but he lost it. He lost touch with the audience and Heyman never did. So, and again, the very fact that Vince is, is incorporating, literally incorporating, uh, Heyman and Bischoff into the WWE product is, that says a lot about Vince McMahon. Credit where credit's due. That's a bold move. That's admitting you need help. And again, you're going... Like, this is Dr. Doom asking for the Fantastic Four to come help him uh, fight King the Conqueror. Is that what I said two weeks ago? Anyway. Um, yeah. 
But anywho, uh, so again, I'm interested to see where everything goes and what's happening. But as far as what's happening already and what's got us into Extreme Rules, I don't know how much is who. But uh, all we can hope for is a good show, I guess. Let's get into the card, Darren. Well, the Raw Tag Team titles are being defended by Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder as they take on Jimmy and Jay the Usos. Um, what do you think? Good match. Good matchup. Uh, okay. And something I haven't seen a thousand times. Uh, <laughs> so that that's, that's a good start. We've seen it a couple times, but not a thousand times. Um, this could be a good match. This should be a good match. Sure, sure. This, this can't be a bad match. Uh, now that we've said that, it's going to be a horrible match. But uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just say the Revival retains the belts. Yeah, I think the Revival retains. I, you know, every single time we've ever picked against the Usos, they win. <laughs> uh, so um, either the Usos are going to win or the Revival's going to win. Sure. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm with you. I think the Revival wins this match so that, um, I don't know. you got to keep the Revival happy. The Usos aren't going anywhere. The Revival you need to keep happy right now. Well, kind of exactly. like, like the club right now. They're kind of keep Gallows and Anderson happy so they don't go to any uh, competing organizations. So uh, well, Yeah, because you know what? AEW, you could have a Gallows and Anderson versus... Uh, Dash and Dawson, that's a main event. Sure. Like, that's that's incredible stuff in AEW or in ROH or in New Japan. Like, the, those four dudes are ready built for a top-tier program in another company. Uh, just not this company. Sure. Um, nevertheless, uh, I think the Revival do hang on. Here's one of the, the singles matches that has a quote-unquote extreme stipulation. Braun Strowman is taking on Bobby Lashley in a last-man-standing match. This could be good if they come up with a creative ending. That's the only thing that ever really matters in a last-man-standing is don't have a shitty ending, don't have a non-ending, and don't have an ending that is identical to an earlier last man standing match. If they can avoid those pitfalls, this could be a good match because these guys are the type of wrestlers to have a brawl under the last man standing stipulations that actually looks good. Yeah, um, I like this matchup at uh, Super Showdown. It was like one of, one of the matches that I thought was actually very good. Um but they kind of, for this one, you're going to have to have a big grand finale, right? You can't just throw Bobby Lashley through the table and say, well, that's it. Like, they kind of blew their load, so to speak, when they went through the, uh, the, the, the digital wall on Raw, which was a huge moment. And a lot of people, a lot of people like that a lot. And they're talking about it and thought it was really cool. Like, here's where you do that now. You know what I mean? You've already done it. So Braun Strowman has knocked so many things over, <laughs> you know what I mean? Vehicles and, and set pieces. It's kind of like running out of things for him to do that's impressive. Uh, so I fear this match will end very underwhelmingly. But I uh, I do like the matchup. Like I said, the, the first time this happened, it was actually like, that's a pretty good matchup. I like it. Um, this is the program these two guys should have been in for a while because they're just two juggernauts fighting each other. 
but like not in like these guys can't really do anything you know what i mean kind of way like they're both athletic they're both crazy athletic they're both crazy strong and they're both decent they, they can put on a, a wrist lock you know what i mean that's all you need for a match so i i, I think it'll be a good match but i do fear for the ending uh but braun Strowman is gonna have to win this one he needs to he needs to mount a comeback in his uh career and become a, a threat for the title again what do you think Absolutely, I I'm going with Strowman uh, a a thousand percent here. Wow, a thousand percent, man! You were ten times yeah, sure. Thousand, yeah. yeah okay. So if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong ten times, I guess. Yeah, well, that counts, folks. That counts. Only no, only one only one for me if I'm wrong, though. The United States Championship is on the line as champion Ricochet takes on AJ Styles, the uh, leader of the. Re re reformed club, don't call them the Bullet Club. Uh, and of course, AJ is with Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Is is Finn Balor in it or no? Uh, it's it's just one of those. And this month we give a shit about the club uh, type deals. Uh, well, what I hate I about hate. no, I hate that too. What I hate about this is uh, we already saw this match. You gave it away for free on Raw. These two should build up a program and should never have actually touched each other. And now we get the wrestling match. We've already had the wrestling match. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, we had the match first. The feud started with a match. Yeah. That's not how that happens. That's, that's not that's, how that works. That's not what you do. Yeah. Yeah. That never happens in any year in any company. Ricochet versus AJ Styles. What a great matchup. Too bad we've already seen it. Uh, it's just like, it's like giving, that's just like giving away Shinsuke and Balor on SmackDown. What a great match. Why would you have that on SmackDown Live? I know, Perry. I know. I know you know me. We're buddies. I've known you for a long time. I, I, I know. Uh, you know, I wish that Finn Balor were. And that, that's, actually, that's actually one of the lesser known uh, uh, games. Uh, you don't know Jack. I know Perry is another one of those kinds of games. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I know Perry. <laughs> How do you win that game? Just if they know you or not? If, if you know me, you win. But do you really? Anyway. That's, that's what I'm screaming. Um, yeah, but, but I, I have to say... I want Finn Balor in the club. And that way we could have AJ Styles... Uh, Gallows and Anderson and Finn Balor versus the Undisputed Era. How oh, bad sure. after that? Also, the IC champ and the US champ, and like, what the hell, give the club like the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships and just make them like a highly decorated organization. But also, like, the, the thought of like AJ and Finn Balor together is very cool to me. Uh, yeah. but, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Ricochet is defending that US title against AJ Styles. AJ Styles doesn't need the US title. Uh, Ricochet needs to hold on to it, but uh, the U.S. title has been a little hot-potatoed uh, lately with the whole Rey Mysterio Samoa Joe thing. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, it could go either way, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for Ricochet's sake that it stays on Ricochet. Yeah. Ricochet is totally my pick for those reasons. Um, AJ doesn't need it. AJ doesn't need to go over Ricochet because Ricochet would just then be buried by the club. And unless he's going to form his own faction to come back against them, which he's not, 
then that's not the way to go. So uh, there's that too. Plus, they're, they're on very thin ice if they continue the game of hot potato with this belt with two completely other people in a, you know, right off the heels of Joe and Mysterio, that would just be disastrous. It's like the 24 seven title up in here. It's this, all this hot potato. uh, Yeah. For most, most assuredly, it's like WCW's world title in the, the waning months of, of WCW when it was like, well, first of all, it goes without saying David Arquette, bless his mother, and Vince Russo, and then that, like, like tilt-a-whirl of Booker T, Jeff Jarrett, Scott Steiner, Sid. It was just, wow. <laughs> uh, and then they're getting close to doing that with their U.S. belt right now. So uh, leave it on Ricochet. That, that's what I'm going with. Well, the one who knocks... It turns out is Cesaro. Alistair Black has been looking for that opponent, looking for that first person to answer his challenge. And who came a knocking? None other than Cesaro. This is the prodigal match that we always wish for. And we always say if they give them time and they take off the restraints this could be the best match of the year yeah i think i might be looking forward to this match the most out of all the matches um great matchup nice to see cesaro in singles action um the bar hasn't broken up as far as i i know it's just cesaro wants to do some singles matches now and that's fine they can still be the bar um but no i I like it a lot i like it a lot i i we talked about how cesaro needs to kind of go for IC belt US title and just do a singles thing again for a while and uh, Alistair Black I can't think of a better opponent for Cesaro and again something we haven't seen it hasn't happened on Raw yet has it because they haven't because they can no No, okay good 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 good. it it might happen on Facebook live the night before just so they can have it happen before it happens so uh but uh Alistair Black (laughs) he's got a lot to prove I think he's gonna beat Cesaro me too. Okay. I'm absolutely going with Alistair Black. This, this is too big. This has been too big of a storyline with too much buildup, with the spotlight being on Alistair Black for it to just be like, who could possibly answer my spooky ooky challenge? Oh no, it's you! And, you <laughs> and one, two, three, I lose. Yeah, you're right about that. So I think Alistair Black uh, puts a stop to Cesaro. I hope that it's after a very, very good, hard-fought match because who deserves it? We do. We deserve this to be a good match. Next up, the SmackDown Live tag team titles are on the line in a triple threat tag team match. Your SmackDown Live tag team champions are still Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. Which, which, seems they, to, which seems to suggest you that we don't know what to do with these two wrestlers or these title belts. Uh, let's put them together. Well, they're going to be defending them against the two members of the New Day who are not the WWE champion. That, of course, means Big E and Xavier Woods. And then the third team in this triple threat match is Heavy Machinery. The team of... Tucker Knight and Otis Dozovic, and 
I'm just going to say straight out of the gates, uh, because Brian and Rowan are doing nothing, and at least they, the WWE, thinks that everybody loves Otis, I I say Heavy Machinery wins this match and takes the belts uh, home. I actually like that scenario because I could care less about Rowan and Daniel Bryan as tag team champions. The New Day doesn't need to ever even sniff the tag team belts at this point. They've had it so many times and for so long. Um, why not just give it to Heavy Machinery? What the hell? So you're not just what the hell, but you're going with that as your pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that going into it. And I'm not even a huge fan of Heavy Machinery. They're fine. They're, again, they're, they're what we said, like they're tailor-made for NXT. So it doesn't really translate as well for WWE, much like No Way Jose. Um, <laughs> any chance to, to to reference No Way Jose, Darren? Oh, I know. You're going to... Don't worry, I won't refer to him as Yes Way Great Zay. I know you, uh... You, you, you just that. did. Oh, you just did. oh, I said I wasn't. The Cruiserweight Champion, Drew Gulak, he's doing double duty this weekend. He's got to fight Matt Riddle the night before for Evolve, and then he's got to fight Tony Nese uh, with his Cruiserweight Championship on the line. Uh, here at Extreme Rules. Just to clarify, he's double duty is not double dipping, folks. Double dipping is where you perform twice in the same show. Double duty is uh, twice the same weekend. So just so you know. Well, the question is, does he still have the Cruiserweight Championship at this point? Because it is on the line against Matt Riddle. Is it? I don't know that it is. It'd be interesting if it was. Is it? Um, it might be. Why would it not be? Why would you fight a champion if the belt's not on the line? What's the point? Uh, no, I I agree. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I certainly hope that it is. And even if it's not, I hope he, that Gulak at least wears it to the ring on Saturday night uh, in a you know non-title match effort or whatever. Um but besides, I, I think Riddle's over 205. But anyway. <laughs> then he should absolutely not fight for the Cruiserweight title. Well, if, if okay, well, then actually, actually that's even better. If, if his weight disqualifies him for... If his weight disqualifies him from competing for the belt, that's, that's great. It's the first time the 205 thing actually, like, works in favor for the champion. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean, and it actually is sort of like a, it's sort of like a, a one-up for pro wrestling, where it's like, look, we do have weight classes, and we respect them, so the belt's not on the line, the championship is not in jeopardy, but because it is pro wrestling, it's the Wild West, anything goes. Sure. But that, that like, was that's that, cool. No, no, it is very cool. It's a good point. But I mean, it's it's also like we always we always question like <laughs> why kayfabe the the weights of the two hundred five live people. Like you could say anything because you know no one's gonna weigh these guys, and you're never gonna know. You know, unless you're like Baba Tunde. You know, <laughs> I am two hundred five live guys. Anyway, I think that uh, and the, you know the other thing that of course uh, is at play here. Is our analysis is too in depth? It is. <laughs> it is uh, tied up in uh, continuity. 
Um, it is based in old school wrestling logic. Um, and it's highly creative, if I do say so myself. Sure. And I do. But with that in mind, we forget that we are far more talented, creative, uh, <laughs> and intelligent than anybody who's writing wrestling for the WWE. And handsome and humble. You forgot those two, Darren. Oh, those go without saying. Oh, without saying, of course. So, what it really comes down to is I don't have any clue who's going to be commentating this Evolve show. But if they could say even a fraction of what we just said while calling the Riddle Gulag match on Saturday night, then I'll be tickled pink. You'll be dipped. You'll be darn dipped. Uh, well, I mean, this kind of tips the hand as far as the Gulak plan for the weekend, right? If the belt's not on the line, he'll probably lose to Matt Riddle. But, as a, as a courtesy, he'll retain against Nice, right? Took the words right out of my mouth, Meatloaf. Oh. You take the, the Meatloaf out right out of my mouth. You've referenced that before, and you've also followed up that reference with that joke before on this show. Oh, my God. Now, I knew that I made that reference before. It's my favorite reference, but... It's it's, it's kind of it's kind of like when I look at my Facebook memories from like seven five you know even ten years ago, and I look at a picture and I go Haha, I'll make this joke and I go to the comments and I've already made that joke ten years ago, <laughs> like word for <laughs> word. Oh god, it happens too much. Anyway, yeah. Um, consistency, Perry. That's what it's called. Hey, man. The SmackDown Live women's title will be on the line in a handicap match. I guess that's extreme. Uh, the SmackDown Live women's champion is Bayley, and she will be defending against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Uh, but Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are a unit. They are inexorably linked in this match. They will share the title if victorious, the stipulation is in the contract that that will be the outcome. That will be the result. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say there's no way in hell they're going to do that. They're not going to have a co-champion for a singles title. And as a result, Bailey retains because this is where they use uh, the opportunity to split up Alexa and Nikki because you just, you, you just know they're not going to put a singles belt on two people. Um, Bailey now gets to have an opponent that's not Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss gets a moment to wrestle, but not forced to be in the title picture for the moment. And Alexa and Nikki, I mean, it's ready built. They're partners, there's, uh, there's strife, and therefore there's a program. And they have a singles program that goes from here. I hope it's not as easy as just you know, Nikki Cross loses the match for both of them and then it falls apart or it just falls apart because they argue about who's going to pin Bailey or something like that. Some, some hogwash like that. Uh, though arguably the belt um, could probably fit around the waist of both Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Cause they're so, they're so <laughs> tiny. They're so tiny, Darren. Wait a minute. Wait a damn minute. Bailey isn't the most over champion. She's done pretty good. Most she honestly has. She's done better. 
than she's done in a while. But I think I'm going to change my pick because I think they actually, if they're going to have an Alexa Nikki program, it needs to be for the belt instead of not for the belt. So, in fact, they win and then they feud for the belt that they share so that only one of them ends up with it because the belt drives the wedge between them. Instead of being happy to be co-champion, they they are determined for there to only be one champion. That sounds great, and that's very well thought out. But that's not what's going to happen because that sounds great, and that's very well thought out. It's literally going to be Nikki Cross gets pinned by Bailey, Alexa Bliss gets mad at Nikki Cross, and their friendship dissolves. And then, then she kind of sidesteps Nikki Cross and just goes for Bailey. I, I, you put a lot of thought into that, and that I would rather do what you just said. But literally, Nikki Cross is going to lose the match for Alexa Bliss, and Bailey's going to retain. So you, you can go with your people. You can go with your pick. I'm going to go with Bailey, though. I'm going to stick with Bailey. Oh, oh no, 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 dear. Next episode, we're not going to talk about this match, and you go. Well, I even said that I thought you're going to have to make a decision. I did. I'm making the decision. It's Bailey. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I already... Because now I'm switching my vote. I'm kidding. I'm on my own stand. (laughs) I already already said that one of my... One of my... One of my picks earlier counts for 10 picks. (laughs) I've got this in the bag. I'm doing a a very bad job this this time. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to sandbag yourself, Darren. Don't do that. The WWE Championship around the waist of Kofi Kingston is on the line against Samoa Joe. And um, old Samoan Joseph, he dropped that U.S. belt and became number one contender to the WWE title. Funny how that works in the world of wrestling. Uh, though technically U.S. champion does mean number one contender, but without it, you aren't that anymore. Um, God, I'm getting tired of them jobbing out Samoa Joe to champions, uh, to world champions like he did to AJ Styles. Um, I would love for him just to crush Kofi Kingston and be champion. Um, there's no shame in Kofi dropping it to Samoa Joe. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I... Zero shame. Of course. And I would love that more than anything, and it absolutely will not happen. Sure. Uh... Do they job Samoa Joe out again, though? I'm kind of thinking this might be Joe's time. Really? Well, I mean, obviously there's more eyes on Kofi Kingston as champion than there would be as Samoa Joe. I'm going to play it safe and go and go. Uh, Kofi Kingston retains. But I'm right? going to complain about it next, next week if it doesn't go down that way. Well, okay. That's fair. But there's no way. There's no way Kofi drops it. Extreme rules. It's, it's, only, it's, it's only because that's what you and I would book. I, I think my brain's going like, "Oh, I totally would do that." Uh, All but, right, if, uh, let me. I'm going to go ahead and say this: If we end up with a return match at SummerSlam, if there's a singles match, singles match between Kofi and Joe, they're both married, so they can't do singles. If, well, they're going to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> If we have a return match between Kofi and Joe at SummerSlam, 
where Kofi enters as the champion, Joe will win that match. We're not picking that show because we don't even know if that's going to happen. <laughs> Again, getting ahead of ourselves, but yes. On this night, I got to go with Kofi uh, as much as I hate it uh, because I'm so, I'm so just. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. They, they know, Darren. They know. The Undertaker returns <laughs> to competition. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh just now. <laughs> the Undertaker, who is now competing for the second time in 2019, and that doesn't include WrestleMania because nothing makes sense in the world turned upside down. That doesn't and, include Super Showdown either because that was hardly a performance. Oh, ooh. Ooh, ow, ow, ow. The Undertaker and Roman Reigns who have no business partnering together, will be taking on Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre in a no-holds-barred match. Uh, jumping ahead, by the way, to the main event, it's uh, <laughs> it's a Extreme Rules match. What's the difference between an Extreme Rules match and a no-holds-barred match? Uh, you, good. You know why you can come up with an answer? Because there's no answer that could be right to that. Because one's got that neat buzzword extreme. You might as well say hot, new, extreme, sex. These are all buzzwords. Yeah. And first time ever. First time ever. First time ever. Uh, it's gross. All, all I know is it's, it's going to take the awesome force of The Undertaker and Roman Reigns to take out Shane McMahon and uh, old uh, Drew McIntyre. I like Drew McIntyre a lot. I, Shane McMahon, please stop wrestling and, and get off my TV screen for a long while. <laughs> please. Can you please do that? Thanks, bud. Yeah. I mean, that that's the gospel. That is the gospel according to the whole reference show. Shane McMahon's wrestling days need to go the way of the dodo. I couldn't agree more, Darren. Uh, all I know is if the Undertaker and Roman Reigns can't get the job done, then I don't know which way is up anymore. Uh, so I'm going to go with Undertaker and Roman Reigns. Me too. Got to go with them for precisely the same reason. And the Undertaker wrestling at all, much less doing a job in a tag match, at a lesser than pay-per-view. I mean, I don't I don't know how you could convince Mark Calloway to do such a thing to almost 30 years into his career and don't say money. I didn't say money, but I made the money gesture, ladies and gentlemen. I ain't gonna do that. Oh, oh briefcase full of money. <laughs> he seemed to say. <laughs> okay, so we're both going with the Undertaker and Roman Re the 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 history laden team of Undertaker and Roman Reigns. Uh, the, they go they go way back to when they met, you know, a couple years ago. <laughs> One time as opponents. Yes, right. that's right. Yes. Um, the main event of the evening is another weirdo tag team match. This one even more weird because. These are your two biggest champions in the company on the same team, and they are not the same gender. That's right. Universal champion Seth Rollins and his real-life girlfriend, Raw Women's champion Becky Lynch, are taking on the team of Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans in 
and Extreme Rules Last Chance Winners Take All Mixed Tag Team Match. Say that five times fast, and I can't wait to see if they try and squeeze it into a graphic at the bottom of the screen. I couldn't say that five times slow. Though I'm sure Michael Cole will say it ten times uh, medium-paced throughout the evening. Um, Yeah, I don't care about this at all. Uh, uh, Isn't this... uh, I mean, their, their intergender matches is like if... Lacey tags in Baron and Seth's in, or yeah, and, and Becky's in the ring. Then Seth has to get in the ring automatically, right? Cor- well, correct. Which yeah. means it's not intergender, no. and that's why they use the term mixed, mixed tag. tag. Yeah, there, there's a difference. Um, yeah, so I don't care about this being a tag match. I like Lacey Evans. I like Becky Lynch. The end. Uh, I don't care about the male counterparts in this wow. match at all. Um, Seth Rollins is a boring champion, especially if he's, if he's going to be a face. Um, everyone wants him just to be an asshole again. Um, and I, 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 obviously I don't mind that they're actually a couple. I hope they're happy in real life. You know, obviously Rollins and Becky Lynch, but I'm, I'm so tired of them on TV as a couple already. Um, and also it's kind of weird because it's like, typically when you, when you put the couple together, you want to kind of, I don't know how this sounds. I don't mean it to sound rude. Um, you want to basically, you want the female to kind of, the woman to siphon some of the male megastars, you know, uh, credibility, but this is the opposite situation for me, where it seems like Seth Rollins is trying to siphon off of Becky Lynch's popularity, uh, because she's just, because she's so much more over than he is. I was going to say, it doesn't seem that way. It is that way. Totally is. is She is more over than he is. Yeah. And, and that and that irks me. That alone irks me about the situation. Um, that and they're going to try to cash in and make T-shirts out of the relationship, which I hate that business aspect of WWE. Um, but uh, if, if the belts, it will, it will very very quickly. If the belts are on the line, though, there's no reason why Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins would drop them to Lacey Evans and Baron Corbin. So I'm going to go ahead and get that out of the way. They're going to win the match. Okay. Yes, I'll, I'll go ahead and get my pick out of the way too. Rollins and Lynch absolutely win this match. I have a lot of feelings about what you've said though, uh, about them as a couple. Rollins and Lynch are terrible on-screen couple because they don't act like a, a romantically involved pair. They act like workout partners. Sure. They you know, they act like you know, and that's fine. That's fine if in real life they are that too. But again, I'm speaking at this moment strictly about on screen. And on screen, it looks like the sexiest thing that they would ever do would be to share a protein shake. Two straws in one. <laughs> like, right. You know, two, two scoops of creatine, a banana, some chocolate syrup, some protein powder, two straws, and that's about as touchy-feely as Becky and Seth get in the WWE universe. Now, they may have amazingly erotic, next-level, like, romance novel, down-and-dirty-dancing Havana Nights, wild (laughs) animal Fifty Shades of Sex sex at home, 
but on screen it literally translates to granola and deadlifts. No, no, it, it looks like an arranged Hollywood power couple. It, it looks very, uh, it looks very unauthentic. And we're talking about the world of professional wrestling here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, I'd rather this for two I, separate I matches, think- only Baron Corbin not involved at all. Um, again, I don't like Baron Corbin, but you know that. I, I like Baron Corbin. I like Lacey Evans. I like bread and butter. I <laughs> like toast and jam. I think that I, I you know, I, I think a lot of people don't like Baron Corbin. You're not alone. Um, I think I think a lot of people don't like Lacey Evans. Like a lot of people really don't like Lacey Evans. I think that the way Vince McMahon interprets that same way he's always interpreted. Oh, because they're heels. He doesn't understand go away heat. He doesn't understand X Pac heat. He looks at the heat. That Evans <laughs> I love it's referred to as X Pac X Pac heat. Yes, <laughs> it's so true. You know, they don't like him because he's mean. I don't like him because he sucks. Like Sandman yeah. said. Not heat because you did something that they hated. They heat because you suck. And so Vince, because he doesn't understand that most people boo them because they suck. I'm not one of them. But he thinks they're booing them because they've got good heel heat. Um, that's why they're being pushed, people. Give them nothing. Give them nothing to work with if you really don't want to see them. Or as Paul Heyman has said many times, speak with your pocketbook. But until then, I like Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans as a uh, mixed uh, gender foe uh, to Seth and Becky. I think it's cool. I think this matchup is cool. I think this is one of the coolest matches on the card. I'm actually looking forward to it. Um so, yeah, I know we don't see eye to eye on that, um, which is fine because we're still making the same pick, uh, <laughs> even though we feel very differently about it as a match. Um, and, yeah, man, I'm looking back here, and we've made all the same picks again. That's fine. Should we uh, should we make up the power couple name for Rollins and, and Lynch? Lollins? Wrench? <laughs> Wrench? How? Well, you could do. Of course, you could do Seki or or Beth. And Seki is 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 just irritating enough that it could be like People Magazine's thing. Yeah. If they went with Beth, first of all, that's just one other person. <laughs> that's just someone who is not either one of them. It's just Beth Phoenix, and it could also come out to kisses Beth. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, now, if they did that, I, I would accept this whole thing a bit more. So, <laughs> Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch came out very, very slowly <laughs> to, to, to Peter Chris to bid the You called it. Bid the Kennedy. Me and the boys playing. Oh, that uh, I will always think of Wet Hot American Summer when I hear that song. Um, it's during the Capture the Flag match, which 
<laughs> which the Kenyan runner shows up and wins. Uh, <laughs> God damn, I love that movie. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's it, baby. That is it. Those are our picks for uh, WWE Extreme Rules, Darren. Extreme there's, Rules. There's a lot of wrestling this weekend. Yeah. A lot of wrestling. I'm excited. I don't... I don't think I have any other plans. So I think pizza and wrestling are the plans. Those are good plans. Uh, but uh, the question is, what everyone's wondering, Darren, what are you drinking? Well, you know, anytime that I order out for any type of delicious pizza from insert pizza place here, <laughs> I always wash it down. Whether it be pineapple on pizza, yes! Damn it. I said pineapple on pizza. It's delicious. Or whether I go with some sort of Italiano Supremo, I'm always drinking Schweppes. Another Schweppes moment brought to you by Schweppes. Schweppes. A sparkling tradition since 1783. So it's a Schweppes moment all weekend long. Pizza and Schweppes, it's, uh, it's what you drink and it's what you eat when you're watching the, the wrestles. Yes, Schweppes. It does a body good. And that is our show, ladies and gentlemen. 13-3, as Darren said at the beginning of the program. Uh, in the can, in the bag. Uh, are you looking forward to this weekend? you looking forward to all that wrestling? Let us know. There are a lot of ways you can let us know. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast. It's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook. Like and share. We'd appreciate that. Send us a Gmail if you want. Whole reference show at gmail.com. T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W at gmail.com. Or, or you can find us on Instagram at the whole reference show. T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W. And also, you can hear me, Darren Beasley, this upcoming week on the Here's Why It's Great podcast podcast hosted by our dear friend of the show, one-time guest and a dear friend outside uh, of all things wrestling and podcast related, John Brink, Hollywood screenwriter uh, and comic book illustrator. John Brink had me on his podcast. Uh, of course, we had John Brink on our podcast a little over a year ago. And John Brink and I discuss the movie Super Mario Brothers. Uh, here's why it's great podcast where they take what you hate and tell you why it's great. So you can check me out over there on their latest episode. Uh, but we definitely thank you for tuning in to episode 13, three of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. Yes, we do, folks. Check out Darren on yet another podcast. Man, podcasting with Raven, podcasting with John. And I'm here just, you know, playing a little bit of Apex Legends every now and again. I don't know. It's really hot over here. But uh, that is it, folks. Until next time, my name is Perry Smith. And I am the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. We do appreciate you checking in with us and staying with us. Again, 13-3. That just sounds so weird. Uh, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole ref and show. Until next time, folks, so long. Bye-bye.